Watch Marry Me. You, I'll marry you. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, featuring their new song, On My Way by Jennifer Lopez. Marry Me, directed by Kat Koira, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Streaming now, only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still real to me, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the So Real Toast Show, episode number 595 for July 8th, 2021. Welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Toast Show. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, 25 years ago, yesterday, the NWO was born, my friend. How old do you feel now? Uh, really old because uh, I, I actually kind of remember it like it was yesterday. Um, although that was a WCW pay per view, and I did not buy WCW pay per views at the time, so I had to learn about it. You know, the next night on Nitro, and I was like, "Wait, what happened?" It like I mean, you got the trickle down effect from the AOL messengers and chat groups and Yahoo chat groups. Uh, which for you young people is what the internet basically was in this pubescent era. Um, but yeah, feels really, really old to flash back to being 19 years old. Yeah, July 7th, 1996, WCW Bash at the Beach. The NWO was formed. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a wrestling fan. I don't need to go into detail on what happened that evening. But to me, it's like, I think we we, we definitely covered this five years ago when it was the 20th anniversary. But when you throw out like 25th anniversary for something that you were alive for and, you know, you weren't, um, what'd you say before the show? You were like 19, you think when it, yeah. you were like 19, I had to have been, I had to have been 10 years old, uh, just turning 10, which makes Dr. Trey feel old. And like that to me is probably... Oh man, I mean, probably for my lifetime. So I'll be thirty-five in a couple days. Um, probably the number one wrestling moment, maybe in history, in my my fandom, Doctor Trey. It's like that. It's the Montreal Screw Job. It's, oh, I mean, you, you can lump in the attitude there, but like moments. Maybe the CM Punk pipe bomb promo is involved there, but it's like NWL Montreal Screwjob, and it's really hard to find a number three. Like for my fandom, my lifetime, this is a top two, one or two moment in wrestling history. No, you're absolutely right. Like to me, especially because that was one of those things where like I was old enough to know what wrestling was and it was about, but it kind of changed my view on wrestling like all of a sudden you know hall and nash were two of my favorite guys from wwe and they were coming to wcw to be villains and i was sitting there like why like they were so popular and like diesel was one of my favorite guys from wwe like i i distinctly remember buying wrestlemania 10 to watch 
Diesel and an Undertaker. And I was mad that they had just turned Diesel heel and was going to take her. So when you had Hall and Nash and then you got Macho Man and Sting and Luger out there waiting to see who the sixth man was and, and then Hogan comes out in the red and yellow, I was like instantly kind of like, oh, this is going to suck. Like it's Hogan coming to save the day. And then when he dropped the leg drop, I was just like, wait, what just happened? Like you were just completely caught off guard. So, um, and from then on, I, I wanted to be one of the villains. If I ever got into wrestling, I wanted to be one of the most hated people uh, around. Um, and that's, you know, that led me down the path I'm on now. So um, it's definitely, that's probably my number one moment. Uh, being a Shawn Michaels fan, the Iron Man match at WrestleMania, uh, or was it was 12? No, 8? Uh, the Iron Man match was WrestleMania. 12. Yeah, it was WrestleMania 12. So WrestleMania 12, the Ironman match is up there. Uh, I also throw in Austin Tyson. You know, because to me, that was a pretty, like, seeing Mike Tyson in a WWE ring face-to-face with Stone Cold, like, that was one of those, like, we've seen celebrities before, but never, like, I mean, we never had a badass like Mike Tyson. And then you start wondering, like, where's the line in reality and wrestling drawn? So, because uh, me, that's what kicked off. That was WWE's kind of answer to what WCW was doing, and, and it was really the start of that Attitude Era was Tyson Austin. So those are probably my top three. But I mean, the Shawn Michaels one just because you know he was he, outside of Doctor Death, he was my favorite wrestler of all time. You know, I was going to ask the question like, where were you when it happened? So it was funny that you went right into it. That you had, like had to wait the next day and and see on AOL uh, what happened that uh, that night. For for me. I always remember as a kid, and it was such a cool thing, right? I mean, obviously, the beginning of the internet era, if you didn't watch a pay-per-view live, you would have to wait until Raw the next night, and you'd have to see the highlights, the beginning like package that opened up Raw or Nitro, depending on, on what you were watching. And I don't truly remember how. I think... So for me as a WCW fan, so I'm a Northern kid, uh, Dr. Trey, the Southern fan of the show. So a little bit more WCW, NWA, world-class, all that type of stuff. Me, WWE, WWF, all the way. And I did not know what WCW was until Hogan jumped, jumped over. And I watched WCW for a little bit, but I wasn't that big into it. And then when the NWO thing happened from like 96, 97, 98, and then on, I really kind of slowed down watching it once they changed the Nitro set and that awful WCW logo. Uh, I would watch it every single week, and sometimes it would be ahead of WWF, uh, WWF, WWE. So when the NWO thing happened, Dr. Trey, I immediately started watching WCW more, which was strange for the time, and, and it kind of goes in hand in hand with with how wrestling fans were watching their programming anyway nowadays. It, it really changed the game. And I think it changed the game in two ways. Um, a positive in this is that people didn't need to have a gimmick anymore. They could just be themselves turned up to 11. They were going by real names, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Prior to that, it was names like Hulk Hogan or the Macho Man, Randy Savage, uh, Sting. It was those types of names and those types of types of gimmicks they changed the game it ushered in along with other elements you you would sprinkle in there the steve austin character the ecw influence the nwo pushing WWE to be a lot better opened up the doors the attitude era changed the game um that was one i think that was a big positive to it the second thing that changed the game in professional wrestling is in 96 on july 7th 1996 the anti-hero the heel the big time heel became the biggest baby face in all of professional wrestling. The NWO was a heel group that made everybody that came in their way look like fools, uh, look weaker than them. It was very rare that WCW got an upper hand on NWO. I was watching the old Nitro episodes uh, weeks on end, back to back to back for a while, and on the network, and, and they it was always NWO on top. That's how they closed out the show. You would very rarely see WCW get their comeuppance. And I think that changed the game for the bad because now it you know we've just seen how that has changed right like the austin character was kind of one of a kind but after that everybody wanted to be that character you see it nowadays on in aw i think the elite kevin uh 
Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. They're kind of working on that cool uh, NWO-like, you know, back to their Bullet Club days of being the heels, but being super over with the fans and wanting to be super over with the fans. So I think it changed the game in two ways, Dr. Trey. Positively, you didn't need the, the silly gimmicks anymore. And then negatively, heels could not be heels anymore. The, the MJFs of the world, those throwback heels, they're once in like 25 years. Like MJF is probably one of the only heels that's been able to pull off what he's been able to pull off during this time. So it, it had a massive, massive impact. Probably one of the few, if not the number one moment in wrestling history, in my opinion, that impacted the entire profession genre more was the NWO being formed that night. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are those you know, finite points where you look at and go, okay, this, this changed wrestling. You know, Hogan winning the WWE Championship or the Iron Sheik changed how wrestling was done. WrestleMania one changed wrestling. Uh, and then really the next big one wasn't all the way up until the NWO happened. So you look from, you know, 86 all the way up through 96. There's a 10 year window where business was kind of done the same way every single time. And like you're right, like when, when the NWO was formed, you know, they weren't the cool ones right away. I mean, you sit there and watch that back, and you watch all the trash being thrown in the ring, and then even then for you know the first few weeks after it was formed, I mean, they were booed pretty hard. But then it was the dominance. When you saw them always getting the upper hand, when you saw them always beating up the good guys. If you're a fan and you're, like, let's say you're a fan of Lex Luger, and every week they're beating Lex Luger up, how how can you really keep cheering for Lex Luger because he's not winning? So you start rooting for the guys who are dominating. It's, it's the same thing in football. Like before Tom Brady, I could probably name you four Patriots fans. And then after Tom Brady, everybody loves the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we there's a whole generation that grew up loving the heels, and that's kind of in a, in a way tainted wrestling because. You had these guys who were like, I want to be a bad guy, but I still want to sell merchandise. Well, the Iron Sheik never had a t-shirt in WWE. You know, Kurt Henning, when he was the bad guy, Mr. Perfect was not well-liked until he turned on Ric Flair. Like, those guys who were heels were heels, and your job was to help the good guys sell more merchandise. But now we live in a world where everybody, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, has got a t-shirt, an action figure, or something. You know, out there, and that's it's just it changed wrestling for you know, it, it, to me, in a lot of ways, bad because I, I like my defined roles of you know, this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, and uh, I just you know, if you're a jerk, I'm not gonna cheer for you. But society kind of likes those villains. I mean, we live in a world where you know, the Joker is beloved. I mean, hey, I'm sitting here with you know, four different Joker tattoos on because he's one of my favorite characters of all time, so it, it did kind of define. You know everybody in that you know, and everybody probably from there in their that's thirty to forty five. We've all kind of grown up being heel marks because of the NWO. Is it good or bad for professional wrestling that there's so many heel marks now? I think it's bad because who do you cheer for? Like who do you who who do you want to show your kids to? Like who do you want your kids to grow up rooting for? You know, like when when DX was big or Austin was big or the NWO was big. You know, how, how many times, I don't know about you, but how many times you get in trouble in school for doing a cross chop and saying, oh, yeah. suck it? Yep, I, you know, I like, got in trouble for wearing the DX shirt. Yeah, you know, I got in trouble for, for I, I got the one uh, with with Sean and Hunter when they reformed DX later on, and the, it was a little cartoon character, but the back of their pants were pulled down, mooning them, and I got in trouble at work for wearing that shirt one day, just, you know, hanging out part-time, like hanging out off the clock. My boss got mad at me. But... You know, there was no there was no role models. You know, whether people love Hogan or hate him, but you know, in the eighties, train, say your prayers, take your vitamins, that was a mantra. You know, guys like the junkyard dog, hacksaw Jim Duggan, like the Dusty Rhodes, those are the guys that you grew up admiring because you're like, Man, no matter what, they always keep pushing forward, they always keep fighting, they always keep doing the right thing, no matter the obstacles. And when the NWO happened, it was like Oh, okay. It's cool to break the rules, and now we have an entire generation of people who kind of want to subvert the system and, and find the shortcut because that's what they grew up on watching wrestling. Yeah, it's uh, it, it changed the game. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, moment in wrestling history. I think I've said that enough on the show here. 
25 years ago, yesterday, July 7th, 1996, the NWO was formed. Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. Obviously, we all know the history of the NWO. The original three, four, five, six uh, was pretty crazy. And then when they added like 30 and a half other wrestlers is when it started to get watered down. But uh, yeah, it, it it changed the game and it kind of... Uh, Put put WCW out of business in a way too. Uh, so I mean, there's just a trickle down. I mean, the amount of things that it it, it changed. It, who knows what it was doing? What it did for wrestling, right? If it wasn't for that night, would we have ever gotten Austin? Would we ever had the Attitude Era? Would we ever had everything that we saw at this point? I mean, it was really an incredible moment. The New World Order being formed 25 years ago, the 25th anniversary of the new new. New, new, new world order. Uh, Dr. Trey, uh, in about 10 days, we have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view coming our way. And we have the Money in the Bank match. And uh, my question for you in regards to the Money in the Bank match, both the men and the women's Money in the Bank match, is should that match be used to catapult the new star into the main event level, uh, a Ricochet, a Morrison, a Riddle, a Big E, Nikki Cross, a Zelina Vega, or should it get an established wrestler wrestler over again by reclaiming the gold? The McIntyres, Owens, Oscars, Naomi's, Bliss, or Carmella's of the world. Where do you sit on this? Like, what what do you want to see the Money in the Bank match accomplish? Is it to catapult the new star into the main event level, or to get that established star back over with another run as a champion? So that's a really good question because you know, like you you go back through the list of Money in the Bank winners and. and the cash-ins and how it helped their career or hurt their career. You know, you look at a guy like Jack Swagger. I think for all intents and purposes, the Money in the Bank briefcase and his title win actually hurt his career. Um, you know, Dolph Ziggler's cash-in is still probably my favorite, if not, you know, top two cash-ins of all time. And, you know, it kind of hurt his career, too. So, um to me, though, I still think you're trying to build new stars, and this is a great opportunity to do that. And, you know, by new stars, and, and, and you know, a guy like Big E, who's, you know, kind of had a, a, a pretty strong year, you know, this would be a great way to, for, to, for him to get that momentum. Or if there's, you know, a strong heel that you really see that could, you know, utilize it to kind of cash in and get that, you know, opportunistic vibe, you know, a la Edge when he cashed in, that's great as well. So, um, I'm I'm gonna lean toward. Although I'm probably gonna pick Drew McIntyre to win uh, when we get to our predictions here in next week. Uh, to me, I think it's a good opportunity to really kind of build that next big star if if booked properly. You know, CM Punk's first cash in that first title run wasn't that great, but it put him on a different playing field. So when he won the title the second time, the third time, people then bought into it. You know, it just kind of depends on. You know how how much faith do they have in that guy, and how far are they willing to push him if they actually let him cash in and win the title? Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's funny you brought up Drew McIntyre's name because I also have the same feelings when it comes to uh, to the Royal Rumble match. Like I think it should be putting over new stars, and the last time we really saw that uh, in, in recent memory was was Drew McIntyre uh, winning the Royal Rumble match. And, uh, you know, that was a big moment. It catapulted him from upper mid-card level to a main event player to potentially being one of the faces of the company at this point. And that's what I love to see. And that's how I think the Money in the Bank match should be as well. Like a guy like Drew McIntyre, I'm with you. I think he's the favorite going in this match right now. But you'd be pleasantly surprised if someone like Riddle or Big E, who probably has the biggest chance out of all of those like fringe prospects, the Ricochets, the Morrisons, uh, in their men's match, one versus you know Drew McIntyre winning again, like you'd be like, okay, this is interesting because if you're thinking about it from a booking perspective, like we all kind of feel like right now that Big E is on the cusp of something special, like he may be getting the ball and running with it here in WWE, like you could feel it right now, kind of like you did when when Drew was starting to build up a little bit, and let's say Big E wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. And his match is before Kofi versus Bobby Lashley. Somehow Kofi defeats Bobby Lashley, but Big E comes down and cashes in on Kofi to become the new WWE champion. And immediately you have a massive, massive angle on your hands, Dr. Trey, 
that would get people talking about Raw, which just had its lowest viewership in the history of the show at 1.4 million people. Like that has, I think, a bigger jolt of energy and impact than Drew McIntyre winning the briefcase again. Like, could you imagine if they went through that booking direction with a Big E, uh, even though he's a SmackDown superstar right now? Uh, you would be super excited as a fan to see that happening. Uh, yes, it would be as as a fan of storytelling, super excited. As a fan of looking at from a what do we do with Big E, um, the downside would be like if he if he turns on basically by that doing that he's turning on his buddy. So it's a great storytelling, but now you're losing a guy who could be very very marketable and very very popular with everybody, whether it's the hardcore wrestling fans, the kids. The, the minority community like that Big E is a guy that they can make a lot of money off of if he's kind of left to just be Big E. He is one of the most charismatic, entertaining, athletic individuals in pro wrestling as a whole. And if you have him take out his best friend, you're making him a heel. So that that's that's the trade off with that. And I don't know if Big E as a heel is as marketable as Big E as a face. Now I can see Big E winning and then walking right up to Roman Reigns on SmackDown that following Friday and basically calling his shots that, hey, at SummerSlam, it's going to be you and me for this for this title, and I'm going to kick your ass. Fans yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You know, because that's the only way to me. Like, if you're if you're if you're, if a babyface wins and you want to keep him a babyface, he has to call his shots. He has to rob Van Dammit. You know, and basically say, at this show in front of these people. I'm beating you and taking your belt, you know, and showing like no fear that that's how you keep the guy, the baby face uh, to me. Like with Drew, it'd be the same thing. If Drew wins and Lashley stays champion, like he can't go after Lashley. But if he showed up on SmackDown with the money to get bank briefcase and challenge Roman there, fans, I think would jump all over that too. Um, but like to me, like I said, like Big E, when you look at like how far the new day has come and the merchandise Kofi sold when he was champion and, how much merchandise the New Day has sold as a, as a as a group, and you get a guy like Big E who's that athletic, that charismatic, that good on a microphone, where he can do the playful baby face, he can do the serious baby face, like that's a guy you want to kind of build this you know the next you know few years around because you know you can bank on him. You already got Drew in that slot on the Raw brand, or and they're interchangeable, you know, going through back and forth. You can do the same thing with a Big E, and now you got two pillars that are baby faces to build around. And then you still got Roman and, and, and uh, Seth and everybody else that you've already kind of spent the last five years building up. Yeah. I just feel like it has the potential to open up the creative booking. If you do something different than doing something that is expected, like Drew McIntyre, yeah. which sucks because we've talked about this pretty recently. I was like, you know, I just feel like Drew McIntyre has been booked pretty bad and it's possible with the fans coming back. He's not going to get that hero's welcome. Like he deserves, um, being how he like carried the company on his back during one of the worst times, the worst time in its history uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic era. So feel free to chime in. How do you want the Money in the Bank ladder match to be utilized? Should it be used as a catapult for a new superstar to the main event level? Or should it be used to get an established wrestler over again by reclaiming the gold by earning that briefcase? Feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter. Dr. Trey, let's take it to Tuesday night. NXT Great American Bash 2021 is in the books. Uh, you had MSK defeating Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, retaining the NXT Tag Team Championship in a great match. LA Knight defeating Cameron Grimes to retain the Million Dollar Championship. Grimes now must become Knight's Butler. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defeating the way of Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell to win the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. We also saw Tegan Knox return. Uh, and then the main event, Adam Cole defeating Kyle O'Reilly in another great match. I watch NXT Great American Bash this Tuesday. Uh, this past Tuesday, Dr. Trey, I love the show. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was a great uh, job by all with NXT. It actually felt like a takeover more than the specials that they typically run. Um, and we've seen them do this in the past pretty recently. This one, to me, was the best themed special programming show that the uh, NXT brand has done in recent memory. I really enjoyed Great American Bash 2021. Dr. Trey, what did you think of uh, the GAB? This past Tuesday. 
Yeah, I thought it was really. I mean, outside of the commercial breaks, I thought it was really good. I, I like every match I was able to actually watch without falling asleep. Uh, and then no disrespect to Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. I'm really, really tired by the, by nine by nine o'clock, nine thirty. I'm I'm passing out. Um, but yeah, like, I thought it was a really well done show. Like everybody did their played their roles perfectly. The 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 tag match at the beginning of the show I thought was fantastic with MSK and Thatcher and Ciampa. You know, the Zoe Stark, Io Shirai winning the belt kind of surprised me, but then when you get the return of Tegan Knox and you're like, oh, well, we're going to get Tegan Candace feud, so that makes a lot of sense. You get the Dexter Loomis, Indy Hartwell storyline continuing. You know, like overall, I just thought it was a really well done show. Uh, I still like Halloween Havoc themed one a little bit better because I'm just a Halloween Havoc mark, but outside of that, uh, this is right there with it. You know, I watched the style of booking, and we'll get to what AEW did on Wednesday night as well with Road Rager. And I just thought, because we talked about this recently, like they they want to do themed shows for Raw and SmackDown. Why can't they do these types of this type of booking for Raw and SmackDown as well? I get it. You have a pay-per-view once a month. But I feel like what NXT and AEW has done by doing their normal show on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then it leads up to a bigger show uh, a road rager, a fighter fest, a fight for the fall. And I think it makes the matchups a lot more special. And I think it makes the creative booking that much more intense. And you're interested to watch the show from beginning to end. Like I felt like on Tuesday and Wednesday night with AEW, there were no holes in the show. show. I didn't want to like fast forward. I didn't want to get up. I, I didn't want to leave. However, when you feel that way with raw, without a doubt, uh, and SmackDown certainly at times as well. Like, why can't Raw and SmackDown do do this style of of booking where they lead up to a, a big show on on network programming in between their pay per views? That's a really good question, and the only answer I have is they're trying to save their stuff for Peacock uh, because the more subscribers, the better it looks to Peacock. Um, but you're right. To me, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, like. How cool would it be if they had a social media Monday where basically like Taboo Tuesday where fans can go online and vote for the matches they want to see and we actually get to see those matches on Raw. And then that way people might tune in a little more. They're like, hey, we're actually kind of getting what you told us a couple years ago we were going to get, which is we're going to see what the fans want to see. Um, obviously, we're not getting that if Raw's getting the lowest rating in the history of Raw. Um, but, you know, a, a themed show does really well every time we have old school raw that where those ratings come in really well whenever we do a themed smackdown it does really well whenever we do like the 1000th show or 10,000th show or whatever number raw's up to now like those shows do really well because they make it feel like it's special and unique um you know obviously you can't do it all the time otherwise it loses its luster but in these situations if you're like hey you know what we got a six-week gap between pay-per-view to pay-per-view Let's throw a special show in the middle of that and just kind of pop the crowd and kind of get them excited about what's coming up. You know, use that, use those social media you know, voting things to kind of, hey, let's kind of see where the fans want to go. Maybe we can build some other new angles out of this and some storylines and maybe go outside of the box a little bit. I mean, right now with, with ratings being what they are, you, you got to try something. And, you know, part of it is, you know, the guy who's running WWE and the guy who's running the creative for WWE is, is a much different mindset and vision than the people who are running NXT and AEW. So I think that's the biggest contrast is just their styles of wrestling booking. Like raw is still kind of very old school Memphis in a lot of ways. And you know, that's why SmackDown's kind of more Heyman esque in a way. And you know, with him being an influence on that show, I'm sure that's part of it. Whereas AEW and NXT are a little bit more of the of the modern style of pro wrestling, so I think that's where you're getting those discrepancies. Otherwise, once again, though, but if everything was booked the same, then we'd be bored with the same booking of all the shows. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I, I feel like uh, what Triple H, what Tony Khan are doing with their with their shows is is changing the changing the way that things are done, and I like it. I I, I don't like a lot of pay per views um, like what WWE has done for a long time. And you could, I mean, it. You could do these themed shows, I guess, on on Peacock, but it still would feel like feel like a pay per view. It's it's just it's a better build. Um, it's it's not a lot of matches. It's a right amount of time, and I just like what they're doing right now. So props to Great American Bash, and let's get in a Road Rager, which took place on Wednesday night. 
I, I thought Road Rager probably. So I think from a match standpoint, Great American Bash was better. From a atmosphere standpoint, Road Rager was better, and that's because they had a full house. Like it was the first time we have seen a full capacity crowd on network television. Not talking about pay per view with double or nothing since March of 2020. And you felt the energy. You felt the energy through the television screen into your living room as you were watching the show. And it was just a lot of fun to watch. And I loved what AEW did this past Wednesday night. I, I, the matches were were solid. They didn't have as much as a strong build as the NXT crew, in my opinion. But, uh, I mean, the crowd was red hot for the Cody Rhodes QT Marshall. Uh, uh, what did they call it? The South Beach Strap Match. The Young Bucks defeating... Eddie Kingston and uh, Penta El Cerro Mieto was was really good, and that was a street fight. The MJF Jericho stuff was good. Uh, we'll talk about the new debut of a former WWF superstar. Andrade El Idolo debuted. Uh, and when I mean the, the former WWF superstar, I mean the one that was shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from a match standpoint, Great American Bash was better. From an atmosphere standpoint, man, that energy from AEW just exuded off the screen on Wednesday night, Dr. Try. Yeah, and I think part of it is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the plexiglass is still up in the performance center. It is, yes, it's, it is. So it, it does, it almost feels like a hockey game. You know, like you see the crowd, but there's not that interaction, you know, that, you, that, that energy level does it kind of feels like you're watching two animals in a zoo go at it like it's just it's like there's that that barriers up there where and we saw it in AEW. i mean somebody jumped in and tried to take out jericho so obviously the barrier helps in on, on one level but the energy level is just different when there's no you know that that plexiglass has gone away i think it feels much more like this is wrestling and, and it kind of you know you get to kind of forget about the pandemic and you kind of get to forget about everything we went through when, when those uh, precautions have kind of gone away. And I think AEW is kind of capitalizing on where WWE is kind of taking still a little bit slow. Um, plus there were, I mean, when you look at the surprises and the things like that, which is something that wrestling fans love, I mean, AEW topped them on that. But, you know, like you're right, the actual in-ring performances and the matches, NXT typically wins these wins these matchups but aew's got the energy and they got the vibe and they got the presentation down for most fans to be able to jump in and, and kind of catch and catch on to it it does feel reminiscent of those you know those early nitro era uh, shows after the nwo debut where you're like wow this feels fresh and different and then you flip over to wwe and no matter how good the in-ring performance was it just has a typical you know, NXT vibe to it, or when you're watching Raw, it has a typical WWE vibe to it. AEW right now has that edge where, like, every show, something strange or weird is probably going to happen and get people talking about it, you know, for the next week leading up to the next show. Is a, Do you feel like AEW is separating itself from the WWE products um, from an energy standpoint, like, as a fan, right? Like, you're watching these shows. Is AEW, and I feel like you've said this in the past, so forgive me, is AEW the must-see show that you need to watch every single week? Um, if, if I'm watching a show, yeah, it, it typically is AEW. Now, for me, and, and this is how ridiculous I am right now, AEW's competition for me is the Loki show on Marvel, uh, on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it debuts on Wednesday, so sometimes I have to choose between AEW and, and you know, the, the Disney Plus shows. Um, but like out of my wrestling, like that's the first one. If I miss a sh- if I miss all four shows, the first one I'm looking at to see what happens. AEW, just because you know it does have that nitro esque vibe to it, and and you know and, and and I mean the early good days of nitro, not you know the days you mentioned earlier when we got the really bad logo and everything else. Um, NXT is kind of what SmackDown was during that run. We talk or like you know we talk about the SmackDown Six. You know, those days. To me, that's what NXT is right now, or, you know, Raw and, and SmackDown's still been solid, but like Raw's just kind of fallen by the wayside. It's just, it's really weird, uh, how, how kind of, like, how far that's fallen just in the last, you know, six months. It just kind of feels completely out of whack right now, but 
AEW definitely is the, the must-see because that's the one everybody's talking about, you know, the next day, five days later, six days later. Yeah, I, I've loved AEW lately. I, I've been on here and I've been saying that I feel like if I was ranking my promotions right now, the shows that I really enjoy, SmackDown 1, AEW 2, NXT 3, and then Raw, A Distant 4, Impact Wrestling, like 5 would be the show that's, that I watch. And I do feel like lately AEW, with the returns of the crowd, is starting to get ahead of SmackDown. And I love Road Rager, and I feel like NXT is surpassing SmackDown a little bit as well. Uh, I love that show last night, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like I feel like I watch the show. I'm like, man, they're, they're, they have to have more people watching this wrestling product right now than WWE or close to than what fans are watching with Raw and SmackDown. And then the next day, as we prefer, prepare to do the show, I sit here and I look at the, the viewership, and according to reports from WrestleNomics, AW Dynamite reportedly drew 871,000 viewers on TNT, which is actually down from the week before at 883,000 viewers. Basically, with no more NXT competition, Dr. Trey, they are doing nearly the same exact numbers as they were when they were going toe-to-toe with NXT. What gives here? Because I love AEW each week. Why are people not watching this product? Um... I think it's they don't have once again like the so when re- we talked about earlier with the NWO when wrestling changed and wrestling got hot, you had crossover stars that everybody could identify with. You know when Hogan turned heel, everybody knew who Hulk Hogan was. Didn't matter if you're a wrestling fan, a baseball fan, a mother of four who's never watched wrestling, you knew the name. So that kind of drew you in. And then when Austin got hot and got that buzz, and everybody's talking about. Austin Tyson, Austin's fighting Vince, Austin's doing this, you see what he did last week. That buzz was going about individuals. It wasn't going about, you know, the you know, the, the the show itself. It was those individuals that were drawing people in. Uh like right now, as we're doing the show, I'm sitting here watching game one of the NBA finals. It just happens to be on TV. The ratings for these NBA finals are down because they don't have although these are two great teams. It's not LeBron. It's not Seth Curry. It's not, you know, Kevin Durant. There's not that bankable star that's going to draw the casual fan into watches. And I think that's what AEW is lacking. They don't have that guy that is so, you know, transcendent and so cutting edge that everybody has to check the show out. And I don't really, right now, I don't know if there's anybody in wrestling as a whole who is that way, which is kind of leading to me why the ratings are down. They just haven't found that Austin, that Rock, that Hogan, that, you know, Macho Man, that Ric Flair. They haven't found that guy that everybody is going to gravitate towards and either watch to see him kick somebody's ass or get his ass kicked. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time still in professional wrestling right now. At times I question whether or not the entire genre is popular amongst fans uh you watch the shows you're like wow man that was this is this was a pretty good week this was a good week tuesday and wednesday were really good days for professional wrestling things should be looking up and up and then you see that viewership and you're like wow really this is just just strange right now with with where things are going in professional wrestling and and where they could be going from here um yeah i was just surprised to see that number because i thought road rager was a really really fun show we'll see if they can pick it up the next week, too. And, and this is all in the same sense while the roster is improving in all elite wrestling right now. As we saw this past Wednesday night during a segment of interview segment with Arn Anderson, uh, the lights went out again. They went out earlier in the night during the strap match, came back on, standing in the ring was the former Alistair Black, at the time we believed to be known as Tommy N, but is now known as Malachi Black, making a surprise debut on AEW Dynamite Road Rager. Uh, and that was shocking in the, in the sense because. About a month ago, he was appearing on SmackDown. He was released. What gives? This is usually 90 days. We expected at best he'd be there on All Out. Then there were rumors of him potentially being re-signed by WWE. There were folks that thought it was a mistake. They were going to try to re-sign him again. Um, But nonetheless, he is now All Elite. And you look at, uh, at why he is now All Elite. According to reports from Wrestling Inc. And, uh... Uh, this is just crazy, Dr. Trey, and, and PW Insider. Black was released by WWE in June due to budget cuts. Earlier on Wednesday, he teased his new name in a video posted to his Instagram. 
typically when a main roster star like Alistair Black stars that are, are released by WWE, they are under a 90-day non-compete clause. Black was able to appear in AEW so quickly due to a clerical error, according to PW Insider. When Black was moved from NXT to the main roster a couple years back, WWE failed to update his contract from the standard 30-day non-compete clause that NXT stars typically have. So WWE botched this horribly wrong, and now Malachi Black, the former Alistair Black, the former Tommy End, is in all elite. Uh, I didn't like them releasing him because I thought it was a huge mistake, and now he's under the AW banner, and this roster just got a hell of a lot better. You've got Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo under the same roof, and they had a banger of a feud in NXT. Your thoughts on the newest member of the AW roster? It's, it's crazy because, you know, when when this whole thing went down and I started getting texts and messages about, hey, oh, man, God, you know, Alistair Black just showed up in AEW. I'm like, oh, well, that's really cool. So my instinct was to think that maybe during the negotiations between Zelina Vega and WWE, I just kind of thought that, hey, maybe if you let my husband out of his 90-day clause a little bit earlier, that I'll sign this deal. Uh, that was kind of my thought process, which I thought would have been kind of weak on – WWE's part. Then when you find out it's a clerical error, it's like, wow, that makes it sound even worse. You know, like originally I'm like, okay, maybe a bargaining chip. No, no, no. It's just they screwed up. Um, so that to me is kind of even more befuddling because those are typically not mistakes WWE makes. Those are typically, those are always mistakes that, you know, Impact or, or WCW made uh, back in the day. So uh, it's really interesting to see that, that move. Um, you know, we had talked about it a few weeks back, and I said that what my worry was always going to be, where do you slot him on the show? And to come in and, and get set for a few with Cody is a really good spot, and then potentially, you know, a Malachi Black-Darby Allen feud would be really good. So there's some spots there that he can he makes you know he can kind of make his own way uh, and stand out and going forward. So uh, you know, it, it, it to me it was a great move by AEW because. He's one of the better wrestlers that we've seen in the last five years. Like you mentioned, the feud with Andrade, that was fantastic. So to get a talent like him on the roster and, and potentially, you know, know how to use him, and then you're putting Alistair Black, Malachi Black, Tommy End in the same building with Jake the Snake Roberts. Like how? I mean, how much more can he really learn from a guy like Jake? Like that's going to be fantastic. Working with a guy like Sting will be great for him. You know, guys who've kind of lived in that gimmick and know how to really make it work, I think it's a great move for everybody involved. Dr. Trey, what do you think Triple H thinks of all of this to see the people that he helped build like two, three years ago and carry his brainchild, his brand of NXT, Andrade El Idolo, and Malachi Black sitting in another person's organization and house, probably going to blow up and become uber popular. Like, what do you think Triple H thinks of all of this? I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, there's a part that's incredibly frustrated. Not to mention, you know, two of his better friends, Big Show and Mark Henry, now also working over there. You know, the guy that he handpicked to call several of his WrestleMania matches, calling the show. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating uh, to, to build these guys up see them move to the main roster, not get used and then get released and picked up by the competition. I mean, it, it's got to be that like a gut punch every time it happens. But you know, the, the flip side is, I, you know, the, as the pendulum swings one way, at some point it's going to swing back the other way and guys in AEW who are not getting put into positions like C because that roster is so big right now, they're going to want to jump ship back or they wanna, they're going to want to jump ship to WWE because that talent roster has kind of dwindled in, at times with all these cuts. It's going to shift back at some point, and I'm sure Triple H is going to be just something at the bit to capitalize on. You know, some of these underutilized AEW guys, you know, making the jump back to WWE. And I think the last part I want to say here is during this entire pandemic, uh, the last 15, 16 months, um, WWE has subtracted from their roster. AEW has added onto the roster. And if you go back to those early shows that we did, I was like, wow, it's only a matter of time before releases happen in AEW. And there were some, but they were like the international stars. It's like B Priestley, who's now shown up in NXT UK as Blair Davenport. Um, it was very, very few and far between. 
they've added some big names. Like, what do you think? How do you think that looks to wrestling fans? Because to me, it seems like, wow, AEW is really making their product better while WWE is letting some releases happen of people I don't agree with being released. Like, they, they couldn't find anything to do with them. You know, AEW will do a better do- job with them. Impact Wrestling will do a better job with them. What do you think the optics are on this? WWE really subtracting and AEW making some really good additions to the roster during this time. I mean, I, I, once again, it depends on the, the optic view you have. If you're a casual wrestling fan, you're going to think WWE is struggling, like they're, that they're losing money or there's something like that going on. When, you know, the reality is Tony Khan has more money than Vince. Like, we talked about that when AEW launched. Like, he, he's a legit billionaire rival. Like, he actually has more money than Vince. Um, the other thing is, he's not a publicly traded company. So he doesn't have to worry about profit and loss as long as, you know, he's content running his business his way and has the resources to do it. He can pretty much damn near do what he wants. Vince, for being the chairman of WWE, still has shareholders to report to. And if WWE's not turning a profit, those shareholders are going to drop out and stocks are going to plummet. So they have to make those cuts just to stay, you know, ahead of the curve and keep showing these uh, these uh, shareholders that, hey, despite the pandemic, we're still making you guys a buttload of money. So, you know, the, the WWE is not just the wrestlers. It's the entirety of what WWE is. That's why they had so many cuts in their film division. That's why they've had so many cuts uh, – you know, in their upper management staff, they had the bloated salary. They've had cuts, you know, on, on the online stuff. They had cuts with the network when they switched to Peacock. These were all cost-cutting moves to turn a profit during a time that a lot of businesses were closing up. So it shows shareholders that, hey, we're running a responsible company. Uh, but to the casual wrestling fan, it, looks, it, makes, it just looks way worse because they're looking at it from a roster point of view and not a totality point of view. Yeah, it's... Uh interesting sometimes actions speak louder than words and here we are this is a big turning point in all of professional rest right now you're seeing a lot of subtractions from wwe aw making some major additions they're back on the road they had their first show on the road this past wednesday night wwe wraps up the thunderdome next week um the last thunderdome for smackdown is this friday the last thunderdome for raw is this monday then a week from tomorrow uh, they're back on the road in WWE with Money in the Bank weekend coming up and then that following Raw and we'll see if things change with the pulse of professional wrestling right now so it's an exciting time it's a very interesting time it's a turning point type of time in professional wrestling as well because I think the way you come out of this pandemic is is going to be very telling for the rest of uh, 2021 at least and potentially all of 2022 because now this can set the stage for WWE, AEW, NXT, whatever, Raw, SmackDown, to have a little bit of a reboot, a little bit of a refresh, and uh, to find and even find their personality traits from this point forward. So it's an exciting time. Nonetheless, it's still an exciting time uh, on so many different levels. It's exciting to get back to normal, and it's exciting to see where a lot of these professional wrestling organizations that we know and love how they come out of this now. Impact Wrestling bringing fans back even for Slammiversary uh, here in the coming weeks and their uh, their tapings as well. So it's going to look a lot more normal on our television screens than ever before for all the promotions here in just about two weeks' time. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download this show every Thursday at TheBowerShow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Star Wars Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, Dr. Trey, what is going on in your wonderful world this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Um, you can check me out on Facebook. Just search out Dr. Trey Franklin again. When you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Uh, they got, they just had a show this past Saturday. They have another one coming up, uh, next Saturday on the 24th. Uh, but there's some other shows in, in Alabama I'm looking to check out. There's a show uh, called Wrestle South that's running this weekend on the 10th. Uh, and another show called New Era Wrestling that I'm trying, I'm torn. I have a weekend away from the family. I can go check out a show. I don't know which show to go to. 
So I'm looking forward to checking out one of these shows and seeing what's going on in the rest of the state. Uh, so if you're out there making your way around in the uh, post-pandemic era, be sure to go check out your local independent show because uh, odds are opened up on AEW Dark Elevation at some point. So there you go. Support all the great things. Support the Still Real Test show. Uh, once again, rate, review, and subscribe. SRTU. And uh, spread the word about this very lovely podcast that you listen to each and every week. Uh, on next week's show, July the 15th, we will be back. We will be previewing and predicting WWE Money in the Bank. We'll be looking at the return on the road to WWE. Impact Wrestling has Slammiversary that weekend. Like I said before, it's a very exciting time in professional wrestling. And uh, we'll see where things continue to go as we get back to at least some sort of normal here in the United States. Uh, so with that being said, uh, let's close up shop on this week's edition of the show. Um, and say our goodbyes here. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Pack. Stay safe. This is the Still Real Test Show. Taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.